You're listening to Right Where You Are, hosted by New York Times bestselling author, creator, and speaker, Jason Wright. With inspiring guest interviews and Jason's unique lens on life, this is the place to see the good in the world, to lift and be lifted, no matter your starting point, to make a difference that matters. And we'll do it all together, right where you are. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Right Where You Are. This is Jason Wright, and I am, as always, so glad that you're here. Question, have you rated the show yet on Audible, Spotify, maybe uh, Apple Podcasts? Actually, Apple Podcasts is probably the most important. I would be so grateful if you would take just a minute to rate and review the show wherever you catch your favorite podcasts. And it's worth noting, don't just rate and review this show. It's really helpful if you rate and review all of the shows that you listen to on a regular basis. It's how we grow our little family. Okay. My guest this week is really much more than a podcast guest. She's a good friend, um, a dear friend who has been a big blessing in my life and, and really the lives of my entire family. We met, uh, what did we decide? 2015, 16, 14. Yeah. 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 When she was uh, serving a mission, doing some volunteer mission work here in, uh, in Virginia, here in Woodstock and her smile, her laugh, her whole face is just joyful. And she has a, a love of life and learning and just um, sharing her voice with the world that I think is so unique and and really needed in the world right now. Since uh, we first met and became friends, she has uh, returned home and fallen in love and gotten married and had some babies and just is living the perfect fairy tale life, right? She'll talk about that in a minute. And she'll also talk about the really important work that she's doing online with her blog and work on social media. Her name, my friends, is Brooke Stringham. And I'm still getting used to that last name, even though you've been married for what, how long? Six years almost. Oi vey, six years. (laughs) Well, Brooke, I'm glad we're doing this. I appreciate you making some time. I know that your life doesn't stop for long. So to have a few minutes, excited. yeah, to have a few minutes is, uh, is a lot of fun. So, okay. So, um, I want you to talk about your family and your boys. And in particular, let's talk of course about Landon and what makes him special, how you found out that when you found out and how you found out that your life was going to be um, as a mom, a whole lot different than you might've imagined. So let's start there. Okay. Um, well, I got married almost six years ago, coming up here next month and almost immediately wanted to start having some kids. Um, so less than a year after we got married, I found out I was pregnant and we had a little boy in May of 2017. And then he was such a good baby. I was ready for another really fast. And we had another boy 2018. Mm. And um, 
yeah, they're about 15 months apart. (laughs) So that in itself has been a little bit of a roller coaster. But when my oldest son was about 18 months old, I started noticing a lot of differences between him and his peers. We had a little play group we would go with and all the other boys started to play with each other more and notice each other more as they got older and Landon would be off by himself playing in the dirt, swiping it back and forth. And that's when I really started to notice, I guess, when he was about 18 months old. And so I had a three month old and I had this 18 month old that I was starting to stress about, but I didn't have anything to compare it to because he was my first baby. So I kind of justified a lot of my feelings away by telling myself, like all moms do, that you're just being crazy. And were you reaching out like to your own mom, for example, who I know you have a very, very close relationship with and saying, Hey mom, like, what is this? What is that? Could this be this? Could this be that? Yes. So my mom and my sister who has two boys as well, I was constantly asking them, is this supposed to be happening or shouldn't he be doing this by now? And you know, every kid's so different that they were kind of like, just give him time. I'm sure he'll come around. He's still so little. I mean, 18 months old, it's kind of hard to gauge. So I was reaching out to them a lot. And my friends that also had boys within like five weeks of Landon's age. And we all kind of were doing the same thing, just kind of like, eh, it's it's going to happen. You know, he might just be a late bloomer. Um, might just take him a little bit longer. And, you know, that lasted for a few months. And then me and my husband really started to pray about him because we were getting worried. And after a few months of praying and stressing and me blaming myself for just not teaching him right, I just thought everyone else was being a good mom and I was missing the boat. Um, My husband came home and he had met someone in his police academy that was getting his son an um, evaluation for autism as well. And he said, I think we need to get Landon an evaluation. And at first I really didn't want to just because I was afraid of the answer. But as we prayed about it, we both were like, yep, we need to get them evaluated as soon as possible. So about four days after he turned two, we went and got him evaluation. And that's when we had all of our stresses just um, confirmed that he had, he was autistic. So you you said had, and then he corrected. And I've heard other parents of children with autism make similar corrections. What is that all about? Help us understand that. Um, so th- I guess a lot of it is the language and the autism world can be a little controversial um, where moms of kids with autism and adults with autism 
um, kind of come together and try to figure out what we can do best for our kids. And adults with autism have told me that they prefer to just be identified as autistic instead of I have autism. So. Oh, interesting. But not so for kids. Parents are a little more sensitive when referring to their kids. Yeah, I guess we just kind of naturally say he has autism instead of he's autistic. And so I'm kind of trying to change my language a little bit because I just want him to be proud of that fact instead of, you know, it's a condition that I got to deal with. So because it's a part of your life and his life forever, right? Huge part. Yeah. And it's not just a phase. It's, it's a lifelong um, thing that he's going to have to um, learn to live with and not just learn to live with, I guess, thrive with. So kind of just trying to get that language going in my home that these autistic adults have taught me just because I really value their opinion. I wish I could talk to Landon about things like this. And so when I talk to them, I feel like I'm kind of getting a glimpse into his brain a little bit, just because it works so much differently than mine does. So talk about this, um, this spectrum, which again, I know, I know very little about, and I do not want anyone listening to think that I'm pretending to be (laughs) an expert on the topic. I'm an expert on no topic and certainly not this one. Um, but we hear this a lot, the spectrum and where they are on the spectrum. What, what does that mean to someone listening who maybe like me doesn't have much of an understanding? So I love using that term spectrum because I feel like autism has kind of become a stigma in society over the, you know, last few decades where they kind of meet these boxes and then that means you're autistic. But now people, as we learn more about it and as we become more aware of autism, people are learning that everyone is so different on the spectrum. Um, So I guess the best way to describe it is it's like this big umbrella that covers so many different like humans and their stories and their different traits that they show for autism, kind of trying to wrap them up in one neat little package, which is really hard to do. And which was actually a struggle at first for us when he was first diagnosed because he didn't meet some of the boxes that people automatically thought of when they thought autism. So a lot of people didn't believe us at first. Um, What is that like, Brooke? (laughs) What is that conversation like? And what are your emotions doing in a moment like that? Um, It's not fun because you just got this life altering diagnosis and people are kind of dismissing it a little I know a lot of them mean well you know they're trying to like be like maybe he doesn't but yeah you just kind of it makes you feel even more alone than what you already do just one of the most isolating feelings is having your child get this diagnosis and then having to explain it to people and try to convince them that your child really is 
autistic. And you can't even really help him understand it. Who's the most important person to understand in, you know, in the family, it's different than, you know, when, when my son, you know, Colson broke his arm, it's pretty easy to explain your arm is broken and we're going to get an X-ray and they're going to put a cast on it. You're going to have it on for six to eight weeks and, or, or you have a cold or you have the chicken pox. This is, got to be nearly impossible to have that kind of a conversation. I mean, certainly with an 18 month old, there's not much you can talk about yeah. anyway. Right. I mean, I, you know, if it's not gummy bears or, or cocoa melon or whatever it's called, I don't know how you get them to understand much at all, but to understand this must've been impossible. So where is he now in terms of understanding today that, um, that he's a little bit, a little different. So he surprises me every day with how much he does understand just because the communication isn't where it should be for his age. So I'm not always sure of what he's understanding and grasping, but like, for example, this week I've been talking to him about the primary program he was going to do at church and his what's our primary program. So a primary program at our church is the kids ages four to 10 put on a program for the rest of the congregation with speak and all of them have speaking parts and they sing songs and it's always really entertaining. <laughs> Just never know what you're going to get. And then you throw in <laughs> a child with autism and you really don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> And it was so funny because I just, you know, sometimes I think I'm not really getting through to him and we were practicing his part all week. And I told them like, when you go up to the microphone, this is what you say. I didn't think he was understanding. And then we get there on Sunday and the rest of his class needs help with their parts and Landon, you think he's not paying attention, but then at the last minute, they're like, Landon, it's your turn. And he gets up there. And before they can even whisper the part in his ear, he just says, I know the heavenly father loves me. And, you know, not super clear. You, not everyone could understand, but, but he and did. then he went and sat down and I was like, oh my gosh, he was listening and understanding this whole week. And he was probably so annoyed with how many times I was telling him, he's like, got it, mom. <laughs> But yeah, so I don't always know what he's understanding, but he's always surprising me with what he does understand. And so I, I want to pause and just make sure people know I will link to um, all of the good things that you're doing online to um, Happy Spectrum, the blog, and to your Instagram and Facebook, because you did share that story um, yesterday or the day before yesterday? Uh, this morning, actually. Yeah. This morning, yeah. And I just, uh, so I, I kind of knew that was coming once you started that story and it's really beautifully, beautifully expressed. You are, a, um, you're a gifted writer and people should read, read that account. And it was easy for me to picture you, uh, and your good husband looking at each other and sort of like with a mix of, of shock and awe and gratitude and, and a little misty eyed. Um, and I want to talk actually about sort of this decision how does it happen that you decide, you know what, I'm, I want to share all of this 
in an appropriate way with the world. The highs and the lows and the the tears and the successes like the one that you just shared. How does that decision come to play? um, And when does it? So it was actually kind of a hard decision to open up about Landon's autism um, because we didn't want people to treat him differently. And it's very, it still is a pretty raw, sensitive part of our lives that we're still learning about. And especially when I started to share I knew next to nothing about autism and how to raise a child with autism. I still don't know that much. I'm still learning, but um, I really didn't know anything back then. And we kind of just had this feeling that we needed to share what we were going through for many reasons. One of them is that we were picking up our whole lives. We lived in a small town when we got his diagnosis, couldn't get any of his um, therapies that he needed out there. So we were selling our house to move so that we could get the therapies. And it was a pretty big move and very quickly. So we wanted people to know why. And we also knew that this was going to be a huge part of our lives. So we did decide decide to share, and little did we know that those two reasons were kind of just so small compared to the actual blessings that came from sharing. We were connected with, like I said, autistic adults that were reaching out to us, um, giving us advice and tips and hope. And all these people in our lives that me and Lane have both met along um, the way that reached out and they're like, this is what I do with special education. Here's some help um, with this and this. If you ever need help, here's my number. Like people were just coming out of the woodwork to support us. And it just led from one thing to another miracle after miracle, because we were sharing our story, we were able to get them into the right therapies. And it none of it makes sense how we got them into the therapies that we did so soon because the wait lists, every autism parent knows wait lists are so long. And so I feel like us sharing kind of was a, you know, beneficial for us and more so than the others. But along the way, it's become a way to help other moms not feel so lonely and isolated like I did when I first found out. So it helps me and I hope it helps other people (laughs) in a small way. Well, it it clearly is. I mean, if your numbers are growing. People are engaging with your content. And I, I suspect that there's this element of, um, well, for example, a, you know, a, a friend of mine posts that she and her husband have, you know, just experienced a miscarriage and, um, you know, they decide that they want to, to put that on Facebook and to sort of be like honest about like, if I'm not myself, here's why. And the world just rushes 
to support them. And what they find is that they had all of these friends and even family members who had also been through this and just hadn't ever shared or wanted to share. Um, And it might be depression, anxiety, something like the miscarriage. And I bet in your case, you probably went, oh my goodness, there are a lot of people around me that are going through the same thing. It's going to look different in every family, but that they have the kind of experience I need to lean on. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like, I feel like social media gets a bad rap a lot, but that is one of the biggest ways that it benefits all of us that we don't have to feel so alone in our in our hard times and in our good times, but definitely our hard times. Um, I think we're always surprised how much good there is in the world um, when you do open up and share. People just want to help. Even if they haven't been through it, they know someone that's going through that and they just want to offer support. Gives you a lot of hope. <laughs> so, so speaking of hope, there's, you know, someone will have searched and it, it might be this week and it might be in six months. Um, uh, the episodes of right where you are, it's fascinating to me to watch how, you know, today, if I go look at, at the, the analytics for the show, I'll find that, you know, five people have listened to an episode from six months ago on a topic that they just searched and it popped up and they said, this could bless me. This could be the thing I need today. So at some point between when this episode drops for the world to finally hear and, you know, whatever a year from now, um, people are going to go um, honest conversations about autism or autism moms, or what do I do when I find out or managing a diagnosis, or how do I get my child with autism to learn to eat more than gummy bears or whatever it is, right? (laughs) Yes. And they're going to find this discussion. And they are now back where you were the day that your husband comes home and says, hey, we should probably go in for some testing and you get get that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So what advice do you have And I know this is dangerous again, because every situation is so different, but if there's someone listening right now, who's on day one or two or three of the same similar journey you've been on with a, um, a youngster, 18 months, right? That's how old Lana was. Yeah. What would you say to them? Um, I guess my biggest thing is that it's going to take time to get here. But as you let go of the idea of what you thought your life was going to be and embrace what it is with a child on the spectrum, it's literally going to be magical. Like the hardest, best experience of your entire life. And I can't stress enough that it will be difficult, but to match every difficult moment, there's a high, there's a good moment and it's okay to grieve and go through your process, but the sooner that you can appreciate your child and all of their small successes, the happier 
your whole family will be. Landon's diagnosis has blessed not just my husband and my boys and me, but our extended families, everyone that we're friends with. These kids change people. They just make them more loving, open-minded, and willing to reach out to people that are different from us. So it's, yeah, it's hard for me to think about that first moment accepting that he was different and he was on the spectrum, but it gets better and it's just fun. Now I look back and I'm like, I would not have Landon any other way. Like I see him up there at church on the stand yesterday and he's flapping his hands and he's repeating the, his repetitive phrases and it doesn't make me sad like it used to seeing him with other kids. It makes me so happy because I'm like just so proud of him. And yeah, I guess I guess that's what I would say is it's going to get better and it's going to be pretty magical along the way. Yeah, that I can imagine that that would be hard for someone at the beginning of the journey to say, wait, what? This is going to be a blessing. I'm going to look back later and say, I wouldn't do it differently, but that's exactly what you would have said. Right. I mean, that's exactly what you said when you first found out as, wait a minute, this is not what I signed up for. Right. Yeah. And now that I think about it, if somebody would have come up to me that day and said, this is going to be a blessing, I might've smacked them. (laughs) (laughs) Might've gotten violent quick. (laughs) Tell me, Brooke, what's the long-term and again, I know it's, it's, it's dangerous to, to think about this, but in, in 10 years and 15 years and 20 years, what do you expect based on where he is, where he is on the spectrum um, that the incremental progress that you have seen and the doctors have, have noted, where will he be? Do you think? I guess this is the biggest thing that I have struggled with is looking forward to Landon's future. Just cause I'm one of those people that puts my hopes on a certain outcome and works my behind off to get there. And if it doesn't happen, I'm crushed. So a lot of this journey has been learning how to have hope for his future still, even though I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. What I do know is that I have no idea because Landon, every time I think I have him figured out and like, I know where he's at, he surprises me. So And we go through regressions. And so we like make all this progress and then he falls back a bit. And then we make a bunch more progress. And so it's hard to say where I think he'll be. But what I do know and what I tell myself every day is that he's going to be happy and he's going to keep making people happy back. Like he's just, when people meet him, they instantly feel his sweet spirit and his happiness that he just 
it's all he is. He's just a happy, sweet boy. And people love him for that. And they're drawn to him. So sorry, that might not be a great answer. I don't know where he's going to be, but I know he's going to be amazing wherever he is. That's perfect. Um, So I have a hypothetical for you. Okay. So you're in Target Mm -hmm. and you are in the checkout aisle and there's a long line and um, Landon is having a rough morning and it's pretty clear to you that he's, I mean, you recognize that, you know, the signs are there. This is a rough morning for him for whatever reason. Normally you probably don't have any idea what the reason is. It's just, it's one of those mornings. Right. And you know, there's a family behind you that are watching really intently curious, giving you that kind of look like, you know, you've probably seen the look before. Yes. (laughs) What, what do you want to say to them or to the person at the park or the person at church or the person in the waiting room or the person wherever, what do you want to say to people that pause for a minute to watch and are curious? What, What message do you have for them? Are you sure this is hypothetical because, (laughs) (laughs) or did you watch us at Target last week? Um, Yeah. So that's another thing that we've had to get used to are the looks. And we've talked a lot about what we could say to people when we're out and about. And, you know, a lot of it is trial and error. And what I have been noticing when we get looks is if the time is right. And if I can talk to people around me, I usually bring it up and say, he is autistic and this is kind of hard for him, but we're trying new things. Instantly people go from judgmental stares to, Oh, I have a nephew on the spectrum or, you know, people are instantly just super understanding Mm. and it's changed it for me because I used to go home and cry my eyes out because of the, you know, stares I would get. And so now I notice how I look at other people when I'm out and about that are Mm. different and it makes me want to just uh, be very, I guess just overly loving and understanding to people, like even go out of my way to be like, Hey, we've been there Mm -hmm. or offer a hand. If you, you know, if they need help with something. And so I guess that's what I would say to people, if you're out in the, and about, and you see just not even just someone autistic, just someone different from Mm -hmm. you to just love them. I don't, I don't care who they are, just love them. And it kind of just changes it for them and for you. It just makes everyone feel so much more comfortable. And that is a huge, another huge blessing that has come from this is that when I see other people out and about that are different from me, I already love to talk to people. But now I can go up 
and talk to people and especially like parents that have a child with them with disabilities. I'm like, oh my gosh, my son does this too. Or, you know, I bring it up that I have a child with autism and they just, they relax and they want to talk and we just share this connection that we don't have with many people. And so it's opened up a whole new world, not just in the social media world, but the real face-to-face world where I have this support system and can lean on people around me. Do you have a message for your friends and family who are listening right now and who have been as they are in our lives, this incredible support system and for you and, and Lane and Landon through this? Oh man. Yes. Pulling on my heartstrings here. I didn't know how many people loved and cared about me and my little family. You go through life and you think you're not really, you know, interacting with that many people. And then you have something like this happen and you realize how many people are there for you, especially our families have been huge. Like just the way that they've jumped in to care for us when, especially right after we found out my mom just, took over because I, I didn't know what to do. I was in shock and she just, man, she was the best mom. Sorry. Um, I told myself I would not cry on this podcast. Um, just you learn how to truly rely on people. And that was hard for us at first to receive the service instead of, you know, try and help other people out. It's always harder to receive it. And that's what our families did for us. And our friends, they were all just there. People would stop by and bring Ben and Jerry's ice cream for us <laughs> just, you know, even though they didn't know what to say or do, they just wanted us to know that they were there. And so I guess I'm just, I'm so grateful that we have this huge support system with both of our families and these friends that have become like family. Um, I, we really couldn't have done this without them at all. And especially when you have a child that has a lot of needs, you need breaks. And our families have done that for us. They're always willing to watch our boys. My in-laws are, they just had them for a couple nights last week, just so that we could kind of take care of ourselves and get away and refresh so that we can be the special needs parents we need to be. And, you know, for our other kids too. So yeah, we, we were blessed with the best and I know not everyone has that support system built in with their families, but I know that you can find it as you reach out, like people are there and they, they want to love you. So 
Yeah, and and people want people want to love you because you are uh, just so good. You're just such a you're a good soul, and I have no doubt that. Um, and I know you believe this that you know Landon's in your life and in your home and in your heart because that's exactly where God needed him to be. There, this isn't an accident. This isn't a coincidence. This isn't a you know a quirk of medicine. This is um, this is God's plan for you and for your family and for him. And I have um, no doubt that families of special needs children are so well cared for by heaven and are just. Um, I think he's just so close. Uh, to families that are on your on your journey. Uh, before we get to the last two questions, I just have to tell this story that always makes me smile. So, oh no, <laughs> eons ago, I have a lot of stories about um, Brooke, uh, formerly Swisher, that I could share. But uh, years ago, when you were living here and doing your your uh, mission work, uh, I was in charge of this um, conference session for all of the adults in the area that, that go to the eight or 10 congregations that are in, you know, what we call a stake. And uh, it was really fun to put this, this two hour meeting together. And I, I had the privilege of selecting the speakers for this particular session. (laughs) And, um, and I know you're laughing because you know exactly what's coming. And so as I started to put it together, I thought I, I have to have Brooke Ben Swisher speak for whatever it was, seven, eight, nine minutes um, at this at this session, because I just knew the life um, and the enthusiasm and the joy for the gospel of Jesus Christ that you would bring. And I didn't know at the time that a mutual friend, Stephen Funk, who I'm sure is listening because he never misses an episode of the podcast, <laughs> that he had um, dared you to work in a word to your remarks that night. And um, do you remember the word? Gorilla. Gorilla. That's right. And And so toward the end of your remarks, you were talking about how grateful you were for all of the families in the area that had invited you and your companions into their homes for meals. And you said, thank you for doing that. And I promise if you'll keep doing that, we will not come in and just eat like a bunch of gorillas. And everyone kind of looked at each other like, what, what did she Why say? did she say that? <laughs> I think she said gorillas. Why did she say gorillas? And I didn't know what was going on until I looked out at my friend, um, Mr. Stephen Funk, who was dying in his pew. <laughs> and of course, I heard the whole story later. So I love, I love a person who, any person who's willing to work the word gorillas into what was essentially a sermon at a pulpit in church meeting. Okay, Brooke, we are at the last two questions. My listeners know what they are. I can't wait to hear what the name of this podcast means to you right where you are, W-R-I-G-H-T, of course. What does that mean to Brooke? Um, so first of all, I love the name and I love the Wright family, but especially right where you are, um, is 
I love that phrase because I never thought I would be right where I am right now. (laughs) You asked me a few years ago, there's no way like I could have seen this coming, but I am here. And to me, it just means learning what I need to learn, becoming who I need to become right where I am right now. So just embracing where I am, not where I thought I'd be, but embracing where I am right now. Mm, that's that's great. Um, there's great wisdom in there. And and I think most of us, no matter what we're going through in our lives for, for good, better, or best, probably look in the mirror and say, this is not exactly where I thought I'd be. Um, <laughs> but but I can be right. and I can be happy right where I am. Okay. So, Brooke, years from now, you know, people like you and I love to think that everyone will remember every word that we've ever said (laughs) or blogged about or posted on Instagram. And the the truth is that that's probably not the case, but I, I, uh, I think you've got, um, you've got to pick one thing, one thing, one thing that the world um, should, that you would want them to remember about you, your mission, your journey, your life, your family, your passion, what is Brooke Stringham's one thing? Um, I guess it doesn't just apply to autism. I guess I, what I've learned is that it's everyone. We're all different in our own way. And I guess what I want them to remember is that no matter who you are or what you're going through, I want you to feel loved and like you're not alone and we can all do this together. So autism aside, just anyone, anyone is loved and yeah, I guess that's my one thing. (laughs) I want to say many things, but Well, I think that's, that's a great main one. <laughs> I think that's a great one thing. And I hope you feel loved because you are. And I think that your your voice, your writing, um, the lens that you view the world and what you and your family are sort of navigating through right now, I just think it's really important in the world. And I think that it needs a lot more of you and your good husband and kids. And um, I happen to know your your family, they're all wonderful people as well. So thank you for being brave and courageous enough to share what what some folks are maybe not quite as comfortable sharing, because I think that the good content that you're putting out there for the world is going to bless lives now and forever. So thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Right Where You Are. For more information about Jason and his projects, visit him online at jasonfright.com or on social media at facebook.com slash jfwbooks or on Instagram at Jason F. Wright. And be sure to subscribe to Right Where You Are wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Right Media Productions. Copyright 2021 by Jason F. Wright. All rights reserved.